recapping all the past week's action in independent league baseball, this week here on the Indie Bar Report Podcast. Episode 19. Episode 19, hey, coming out hot. On the heavily Eastern Bias show, known as the Indie Bar Report Podcast, because Ooh. in case you're wondering, we don't care about the middle part of the country here. Oh, no, ah, hot takes all about it. We care, just mildly. Exactly, that's pretty spot on, actually. And now getting serious. Yeah, no, we're going to keep an Eastern bias here. We kind of understand that's how this works, but once again, we know those leaks. We could talk unintelligently about the other leagues, which would do nobody any good. Or we could talk intelligently about the leagues we do know, which does some people some good, I suppose. I assume there's a reason why about 50 people plus a week listen. Yeah, there you go. That is, they just, they like torturing themselves, so they listen for the hour anyway and go, it's like, uh, I'm getting it out of the way. Hey, you know what? Sometimes torturing yourself, not a bad idea. There you exactly. go. Exactly. So, let's go ahead, let's jump right into it. As you could probably guess, we're going to talk about the Eastern Leagues. And that would start with the Great Atlantic League. Week in the Atlantic League here. Here's a week. Everybody kind of dropped back to normal. Well, except for Somerset, they dropped further than normal. Yep. Uh, New Britain, their torrent pace kind of came to an end here. They went a solid 3-4 and four this week, though, but overall, though, not bad. I mean, they still put up good numbers. They did. I mean, uh, New Britain has been much better of late, and I think that's something you got to look at moving forward. they take them pretty seriously as a team. However, obviously, with Somerset, you know, things are going the other direction. Exactly. I think that's a great place to start, too. A rough road trip or sugar land. And, yeah, no, overall, they just have not been doing uh, very good there. They dropped three in a row to them before getting out of town couple of close losses that would have been safe situations, and then one where they just, they got the doors blown off, 11 runs against. It's just uh, not acceptable if you're trying to contend, especially in a very tight Liberty division like they're in. Yeah, I agree. I think that, especially with the emergence of New Britain, it's becoming a bit of an issue for uh, Somerset moving forward and their potential uh, first-season crowd hopes. Exactly. I think that's a great way to kind of read the struggle here. I mean, if you look at the kind of underlying numbers here, just in that division alone, just when we're talking, like, run differential and runs for against that whole deal, currently they've scored the fewest amount of runs in their own division. Now, to be fair, they're five off of Long Island, and then they're just a whole mess off of, uh, well, New Britain at 151. They're at 104. So, I mean, it's a, it's a noticeable drop-off there. Was that about 47? Yeah, I mean, New Britain's offense has been unbelievable. Obviously, Somerset's offense has not been unbelievable. <laughs> They've been pretty bad. And I think part of that is because they're very much a small ball team. And so mm. it's hard to kind of generate runs when you play that way sometimes. However, also, I think it's because they're just not playing good baseball right now. When I mean, you're not playing good baseball, it, really, it translates over to offense and defense and certainly pitching, as we've seen here. 11 runs they give up for one game. It's really not been a good stretch for uh, Somerset Patriots. Exactly. I mean, they're just, like, really in the middle of everything at the moment for where it comes to run for or against here. They're yeah. at minus six on the year, so, I mean, it's kind of negligible at this point. But even still, it's uh, it's troubling to me that you can't get into that positive, especially being the only one there to be there. Now, of course, they kind of rallied at the end of the week. I believe they went two in a row or three in a row versus uh, the Blue Crabs there, but that's not really saying much. Yeah. I mean... Of course, the Crabs did have a little bit of a resurgence this week after going 0 for last week. So they did have that going, and York dropped back down to the usual York that we do know and, well, don't really love, but they're there. You know, I, I think 
York has very much taken the mantle of New Britain and the fact that they haven't sent any peanuts either. And so, therefore, that's why they're struggling as well. See, now, <laughs> New Britain rectified the situation because, by proxy, I was given peanuts on their behalf. So, while I was not given the New Britain peanuts, I was given peanuts on their behalf. However, York has not yet gotten rid of that curse. So. I mean, like, yeah, and shifting it to more of a serious matter, <laughs> even though not getting peanuts is always a serious yeah, matter. This is very serious. I mean... You look at York, and they've just struggled out, right? A one and six on the week, a couple of really big blowouts, nine and three, ten and two. Like, their only win came in a very close game against Long Island, so I give you credit for beating Long Island, but even still, three, two wins, just eking it out. That's not going to be good enough to win your division. I mean, you're lucky enough where you have South Maryland there, which, I mean, they get in their own way. Third place does you no good. Yeah, I just wanted to say also, and there's a lot of uh, news organizations, uh, Atlantic League news organizations, that have said that York, that predicted that York was going to be good from the onset of the season. And I, I think that was a little bit disingenuous. Hmm. I think that to say that York was going to be really good was always an overstatement. Hmm. They could have been good, marginally better than they are, perhaps. But I don't see them as a team that was ever going to be a powerhouse. I think that was something that's a little bit disingenuous for some organizations to talk about. Yeah, no, I would agree with that as well. I mean, when you look at the roster, yeah, their bats look interesting. Um, Mesa, Coronado, Dotel were really the big three there. Uh, Castillo stepped up, which we didn't expect, but Dotel's been underwhelming. And Mesa's doing all right. Uh, Coronado's been hit or miss so far to this point. But even still, with just those three working, it's not going to be good enough. Uh, from a pitching perspective, their bullpen has been by far the worst. No, by far. Um, it's just a, it's a complete and utter well, mess. And pitching-wise, even really Matt Grimes is the only guy I really do like yeah. on that whole staff. So, I mean, and after losing uh, Detweiler, it was, you knew it was only going to get rougher, and they have not done anything meaningful to replace him at this point, at least. Yeah, it was all downhill from there after losing Detweiler, and just not a team that was ever going to really make a big dent, certainly early in this first half of the season. Now, everything could change in the second half of the season. But for the first half, at least, I'm, I'm just not seeing them as a team that is going to be uh, there on a nightly basis. Exactly. I mean, once again, you go to that run differential there, which I always like to go to because I think it's kind of a good indication of the underlying teams that are really not good or really overachieving that kind of a right. a good call for it. Because you look at that, and New Britain's always kind of been strong since we're tracking it. Same thing with uh, High Point. They have massive, like, that run differential. Uh, high points, it's a plus 66, and New Britain at half of that, plus 33. Uh, both 1 and 2 in the Atlantic League in general. And as we've seen in the past two weeks, they started to come on strong here. I mean, New Britain's keeping pace where it's five-game differential. So, I mean, you have that going for you in the sense of uh, one good week and one bad week. You're right back in the thick of things. High points right in the middle of things as well at about three games back. Too, so they just need a good series, and everyone should not overachieve. But when you look at York, everything points to them being a bad team. Uh, they had the second-fewest runs this week, only in front of South Maryland, who did have Somerset, which, for all their struggles, they're still a good team. Right. York, on the other hand, they they put up 20 runs and let 45 come across. The worst for runs allowed, uh, minus 20 on the week. You cannot be minus 20. You can't it's, be minus 20. It's just unreasonable. For people to look at those numbers and go, maybe this team will really turn it around. You know, exactly. I don't know. I don't see that. 
Exactly. That, and you left 45 runs in seven games. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a bit, it's a bit too much. You can only survive so often with that. I mean, like if you, too leaky of a bullpen, right? Exactly. I mean, you do the math on it, it's what, about a six and a third runs a game? That's a lot to ask of your offense to come and bail you out with. And then they only score 20 runs on offense in this game. Exactly. So, I mean, like, in the seven games, you're not even getting three runs across. Go ahead and round in their favor. You're losing every game six to three. Barely a save situation. Yep. So, I mean, you can't be having that as your average game for the week. No surprise you go one and six. And it's it's kind of surprising in the sense that they are this bad. Or at least that they are lowest in the Atlantic League. I'm not surprised. Well, I see. I'm a bit just surprised. Not so much that they're this bad. I'm a bit surprised that they are, well, the worst team in their division. Just because of how atrocious Southern Maryland's offense is. It really, outside of Ruby Silva, I don't really see anybody that, uh, you know, jump off the page. I mean, runs for them as they're the only people, or only team, rather, left in the double digits on the season. What is this, about seven weeks in, six weeks in? You're already uh, only at 77 runs for Unreal. It's unbelievable. Exactly. Now, obviously, this is this is not factoring in uh, Thursday night, so June the 6th, June the 7th games. These right. are just up to the 5th. But even still, I doubt they pushed 13 runs across in two days. I, I would highly doubt that as well. I, I think that, that gets to the crux of the issue with these teams that we see at the bottom. Mm-hmm. is Like you're saying, for certainly for uh, York, you have a very leaky bullpen that has given up a lot of runs. Also, mm-hmm. not a great pitching staff from a starting rotation standpoint either, mm-hmm. but also when we're looking when we're talking about Southern Maryland, who we thought was going to be pretty good, the reason that they haven't been good is because their uh, lineup has underproduced in a way that is, you know, just unbelievable. Exactly. It Already going into the year, you knew the offense was going to be a problem here, but the way the bullpen looked and the way that you feel Latos will probably start, and then they had uh, Stem, who looks good, and Daryl Thompson will... Uh, Probably play the whole season or most of, and he'll give you a lot of quality starts as well. With those three, you should be going pretty good. And as long as you have a four or a five, that's able to kind of stem things. And uh, and you know, when you look at those four guys, it, it looked like it was going to be something that was exactly going to be an okay team. But, but the rotation looked like okay, they'll be able to at least uh, tread water. Yeah. Then the bullpen should be able to at least calm things down here. And given the way that Lancaster looks to be and the way York is. They may not be a good team, but they're certainly good enough to get to, you know, your around 75 wins, steal the second half spot, possibly, and then, you know, obviously, you're probably not going to beat your land. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's certainly not probable. Very improbable. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that, that mantle has kind of gone to Lancaster now. Yeah. I think they're going to be the team that will make the playoffs. Exactly. Probably lose in the first round. So I, I mean, exactly. I mean, yep. and I don't want to go ahead and excuse Lancaster on this too, because we're really talking a lot of freedom division at the moment. But uh, Liberty, we'll get to in a second. Right. Uh, but Lancaster, they had an, about an average week. Uh, their doubleheader against Long Island last Thursday on the thirtieth got rained out, so they lost two games there. But then they had a close loss, three-two. Uh, that was to Southern Maryland, and then they. Came back and beat the hell out of them the next two nights, uh, 14-4 and 3-1, yeah. the, uh, respecting, respecting things. And then they took one against, uh, Sugarland and then split the other one. So they had an alright week, uh, two and three, or roughly speaking. And it's, they had an okay week. They were definition of average. Plus six, 
34, 24 against, 2 and 3. You know, it's what you expect. Well, that's who they are. They're average. They are an average Atlantic League team. That is good. But it is not going to blow your doors off to any, uh, any stretch of the imagination. So exactly. I think they're an okay team. They're an average team. They're a team that is probably going to make the playoffs, but also probably a team that gets exited very early. Exactly. And just correct me if the three and two, not two and three, I wrote down three incorrectly. Two. A little bit more, a little bit better. Slightly, than yeah, slightly better, but still they played five games, least amount of games played this week. So right. still, I mean, they, they won as many games as Somerset or New Britain did and they went three and four. So. Right. I mean, it's still at the end of the day, they're 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 a league average. That's yep. really what they are. They're they're, they're going to get a playoff spot. They're probably going to be dismembered in I'd say five. Oh, yeah. I think they still they're not going to get swept. They could I, get swept. <laughs> I highly doubt they can. I think they steal one game because they show they can beat Chickerland. They beat them eight seven, and then well they came back and they lost nine three. But point remains, they can beat them. They would. They could probably steal a game, especially at home. They could probably steal. Exactly. It's just one of those things where I could see it. Plus, with the travel, I think they could take advantage of that. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, I still see Sugar Land coming out of there. But, yeah, no, uh, Lancaster is definitely that second-place team. Now, it's a matter of who's going to be at the bottom of York because of the Maryland. I think uh, just kind of circling back to that kind of back and forth, I feel like York is going to finish ahead of Southern Maryland, but Southern Maryland's the better team. I would say that York probably won't finish ahead of Southern Maryland. I think Southern Maryland has some pretty decent players still on that roster, and I think Southern Maryland's a better team, as you say. And I think York's roster, the way it is presently constructed, obviously anything can change in a New York minute with these uh, teams, but especially in the Atlantic League. But if we're just talking about who I think is going to finish last, it's going to be York. York is in last now. And they're going to finish last. They're going to stay in the bottom of the basement. I would normally agree with you on that. However, York, uh, Southern Maryland's already started kind of moving out assets uh, in the sense that they trade Angelus Nina earlier to complete a trade from back in 2017. So it's one of those where it's like, okay, uh, someone doesn't want to be here. We don't want you here. Or you don't want to be here. So we'll just try and get you onto another team's kind of like a favor deal. Uh, being that you run back to Oost, uh, 2017, for a deal to be completed, it's uh, it tells me if you're already moving off guys like that, that guys like Ruby Silva and Corey Vaughn are going to be up next. Then also with the little spat that Latos had this week, and once against Lancaster and then in Somerset, uh, Latos is also <laughs> to his own stuff again. So that tells me uh, Matt Latos and a, disag- a heated disagreement. Yeah. No, I know. Supposedly, Latos was involved with Vaughn in the outfield. Now then, uh, Craig Maddox, the player coach for South Maryland, had came out and said, no, Latos wasn't involved. Vaughn was just having a disagreement with the bullpen. It, it was nothing. We handled it in-house. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much I go with that. Now, obviously not there. And I was just reading secondhand reports of it. But even still. We know Matt Latos is a fiery guy. We like exactly. Matt Latos. On this program. I only got my Matt Latos Jackal shirt on at the moment. He's got his so. Matt Latos Jackal shirt on. We like Matt Latos on this program, but he's a fiery guy. Exactly. He's the kind of guy that he's not going to take anything. And it's if someone's giving him giving him garbage, he's going to give it right back. And for better or worse, that's just the kind of personality he has. So, I mean, you saw a throw inside on one of his guys in New Jersey. He responds by throwing over someone else's head and then <laughs> the legendary brawl 
ensues. But Naitos is that kind of guy, and then he gets tossed up in Somerset, and uh, it tells me that I think it's a Latos problem here, in the sense of I think he's kind of getting tired of the same well, deal. Losing, anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he went through the same thing in New Jersey last year, where I mean, I don't think it's any secret they weren't a very good team for large stretches of the season. Right. I mean, they had a couple of high moments, like uh, Lopez's no hitter. Yeah. There was a couple other kind of high water marks of the year. I mean, they're fighting for that last playoff spot into the last week of the season. The second to last day it was only the end of the second to last that they were officially eliminated. It was not a very productive season for him. I mean, he's still an independent league ball. He's a year older now with a year more mileage on his arm. And now he's about about uh, halfway done with the first half of this season. Uh, you see teammates getting plucked. You see other guys in the league getting plucked. You're not winning, which means as a closer, you're not coming into games and showcasing yourself very often. Mm-hmm. I imagine it starts to get frustrating after a while, and it just kind of boils over after a certain point. Well, and also I think part of the reason that Matt Rakos is in the Atlantic League and not in a minor league system somewhere is that personality. To do with that fiery personality. However, I do think that Matt Lakers is a good enough pitcher to be on a major league roster. Uh, or at least on an affiliated one. Oh, you know, he's certainly good enough for AAA. I agree with that. But I think you kind of hit on it where if I'm a major league club and I have a bunch of younger guys, got a bunch of 24, 25, 26-year-old guys that haven't been up to the show or have only had, you know, 10 days of service time, I don't really want Major League veteran Matt Latos as my, like, elder statesman in the locker room. I like the fire and I like the competitiveness here, but you want that, but you want to control. Control it and put it into your pitch. Put it into your play on the field. Don't put it into throwing over a dude's head and starting a brawl. <laughs> that doesn't help the team. It helps my entertainment. Oh, it helps draw fans in <laughs> the ballpark. Matt Lakers has been a great source of entertainment for the Jackals and now for the Southern Maryland Bluegrass. Oh, yeah, no, of course. I mean, you give him that for certain, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's why I'm, I'm going back to the main point here. That's why I feel like it's going to be uh, Southern Maryland in last. I feel like the pieces are starting to start to get sold out. I feel like after the All-Star break, when we start getting into August, if Silva's not on an affiliated roster... I feel like a team, maybe Somerset was a team I was thinking a while back. He could fit in there nicely. You put him out there in the outfield with uh, Flores. It could work out nicely. Yeah. Now you have a nice outfield there. Um, maybe another team like Long Island's kind of tough because you still have Ben Decker and uh, Newman Heist and yeah. other guys too. So it's already kind of crowded, so I wouldn't say them. High point maybe. I saw Dante Bruchette got his contract purchased today. Now yeah. granted, he's more of an infielder, but I have a feeling that's kind of a precursor of things to come for them. Right. I think they're going to have a lot more contracts purchased for them. I think High Point could be a good spot. Or even New Britain. New Britain could make a lot of sense. New Britain could be a good spot, yeah. New Britain makes a lot of sense to me just because they they kind of struggle. Well, they don't struggle offensively. They put up good run differential, but they're the kind of guy or the kind of team where I think Silva could help them out and make sure fielding and an extra bat in that outfield. Yeah, I agree. I think Silva can help them out. I also think that uh, you have to think about it in terms of will Silva be on the roster? I think as presently constructed, going back to your original point, I think as pres- presently constructed, the Blue Crabs probably don't yeah. finish last and might even make a little bit of run, make a little bit of a run, a little bit of noise in the second half. 
However, like you're saying, if you lose Ruby Silva, pieces start getting, as you're saying, degraded. Um, the, the team starts having some chaos in the locker room that continues, and people start getting moved. Once that happens, you're going to have some issues. Therefore, you're going to have to think about it as, then, what do they go from here? Where do they go from here? So, yeah, I could see Ruby Silva being moved to a place like Somerset. I think that is really the mm. best option for him. Also, New Britain would be interesting just to shore up some of those defensive things in the outfield. Uh, but, you know, you have to see uh, where it goes from that. Yep. What's even, what do you think about a possible reunion with Lancaster at Silva? I think a possible reunion with Lancaster would be very interesting. I think Lancaster could certainly use him. But at the end of the day, do they really need him? Maybe. You know, maybe. Uh, the out, their outfield as constructed is pretty, pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I think about it from a long-term perspective. Yeah. Obviously, if we've learned one thing from doing this show, it's guys are in and out of the Atlantic League faster, Very quickly. <laughs> yep, faster than uh, you can make your head spin. I mean, even Sugarland, I, like, honestly, Sofa, he's probably going to be their lone all-star rep, I would think. Maybe Stem could possibly get in there as well. He is uh, one of the lowest DRAs in the league, so I give him that vote there, but I think Silva has to be in the uh, in the All-Star game, and I really do think it, what's best for him as a player would be like, you know, can you kind of get me on somewhere else? Because if you're looking at places where people have to have their contracts purchased, I'm pretty sure Southern Maryland ranked last, sitting in Sugarland watching the scouts are. Uh, <laughs> can you uh, blame them? Not really. I mean, they're, they're the one team that we know for certain they're going to finish first, despite no a little bit. Yeah, they've had like periods where they're kind of eh, up and down. Actually, I think that if I look correctly here, I'm pretty sure Sugarland is actually, well, at, at week three, they're at a minus run differential at minus nine wow. that week. Yeah, and then they went to, uh, then they got back to even. And now I think that, yeah, this week they're at plus 11. But for a little bit there, they dipped down. Even still, they're not tearing the cover off the ball. Now, granted, at that point when they were in their minus and even, even at that point, Gian Santi was still struggling greatly. You know, he started to cut back to where he usually is. Oh, yeah. Hey, still not. Doing, not laying the world on fire. I'm telling you, man. I told you. I'm back. just saying, my one hot take of him not making the All Star game. I feel pretty confident, it, seeing as he's only listed as a utility player, and I'm with the other guys there. My yeah, your hot take's pretty safe. Mm-hmm. However, your other hot take in a later episode that said that he was not going to get back because he was a little bit older. No, incorrect. No, I didn't say that. What I had said yeah. was. If he doesn't get back, it's a major problem for Sugarland. They need to find a way to replace it. Right. And given what I see here, I'm not that confident. Meaning that he was batting sub 100 with only one hit and 15 plays appearances. I believe at that point he was batting zero. No, he was batting slightly above zero. He had. No, you are right. He was batting zero. He had one run scored because he got on like a walker hit by pitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, he was doing really bad. So at that point in time. I feel like that was a pretty safe thing to say. Nope. And he was even still for a week after, he still was not producing. He was batting 100. Yeah. And then he finally started getting together. Actually, it was in Somerset that they finally started getting together. He got the base hit, a double, and hit a home run. And then it kind of spiraled from there. But still, it took him well, about 10 days to two weeks to get everything together. I My mean, main point was, you can't have a guy like this in your lineup that's just a black hole. He doesn't add enough to justify a black hole. I mean... That's not necessarily true, obviously. I think his defense is pretty good. 
But also, I think that, that anytime you're dealing with a player coming off of an injury, you're coming out for DL or uh, individually you being the IL. When you're coming off of those uh, injuries, that's what happens, and that's the that's the kind of territory that you're in. Is that they're not going to play well once they come back. Yeah, no, it's uh, even still though. My main point was batting eighty, but physically eighty <laughs> is not worth justifying the defense, no matter yeah. what. You want to work them back and start getting them back moving again. The proper way of doing it, in my opinion, is get them some pinch hitting at bats. Maybe Ooh. make a defensive sub in like the sixth inning. That is do the it wrong that way. way for an everyday player. That is a terrible thing to do. You have to get into the flow of playing again. The reason we work them in slowly. You don't work them in slowly. You gotta throw them, throw them to the wolves and then let them lose all confidence and go. I can't hit anymore because that's exactly what was you happening. Think a veteran player is gonna go. I can't hit anymore. Get I'm thinking here. when you're bad. Okay, well, let's look at Chris Davis, who went 0 for 30, 0 for what, 37? Chris Davis has been... He's a veteran player. His physical skills have been degenerating since last season. This goes back a year or two. goes back a year, but in any case, the point still remains to Giansanti. You're batting 80. You don't get the right to be a black hole anymore. I'm sorry. It was two weeks. Exactly. It was two weeks of critical games where you let other teams start to creep back in. They were and, and you know what? Lancaster is like game right back. Now, look at it right now. We got a seven and a half lead because they let Giansanti get on a roll. They worked him into the line. I'm just saying. He worked himself back up. I'm just, I'm just saying. For those two weeks, I disagree with that strategy. I would have worked him in by a pinch hitting and late game substitutes. And then he never would have got going. I'm just saying. Even still, I don't think he's getting that much going here. I have not really. Check the stats. I also have a couple of key hits, which, great, you got some key hits, but what else have you done for me? So that way I can see actually how bad Giansanti has been. He's not been bad, but even if he has been hitting below his normal level, it's you know what you have in the player. 247. 247. That's not hitting, great. From starting off hitting zero in this first couple of bats, it's working yourself back in. Look, oh, he only had a broken arm. Now it's just fractured. It's a lot better. That's not good. He's he's two two forty seven. A two fifty hitter is not bad. It's certainly as you're working your way up. It's a, you know, you hit three hundred, you're a Hall of Famer. I mean, give me a break. He is. There's a large gap there between two forty seven and three hundred. He is he is hitting much better than he was early on, and he's playing much better than he was. Well, when you start at the bottom, the, it's not that it's a massive it's hard thing. To work your, it's hard to work the, I'm num- not saying the numbers is. out of the hole. And there's also, but you still put yourself in the hole. Because he was in, he came off the injured list. It, you can't just... It's, it's One of the hardest things in the world to do is hit a baseball. All right? One of the hardest things to do is hit a baseball. I'm and, not going to debate that, but I'm just and saying. And to come back and just snap your fingers... And be, you know, the, the best player that you were, the best form of yourself, your timing is going to be off. He, who knows when he sustained this injury if he even got any spring training. So he was dealing, you're dealing with a guy who needed to be worked up to speed. And that's why he wasn't taking it out of the lineup. And now he's hitting 250. I bet by the time we get to the All-Star break, or well, not the All-Star break, but by the time we get to uh, July, I bet he'll be hitting at least 275. So by what date are we saying 275? Uh, let's see. What's today? Is the, today, today is, is the 7th. Today is the 7th. 7th of June. I say July. No, I say July. All-Star game is July 10th. By the way, voting is open for that. Say July 14th. Okay. 
July so the end of All Star Game week, we'll say. Yep. But so when we do the the show wrapping up and discussing the All Star Game, we will know then. So I believe that's July twelfth, but we're going to probably record that on the eleventh. So, so July eleventh. July eleventh. Yeah. July eleventh. He will be hitting two seventy five, or at least two seventy. Two seventy or two seventy five or higher. Two seventy. I'll say two seventy or higher. That's more. Provisionist. If he hits 270 to 274 now, I'm just going to say, you knew it. That's 275 or higher. All right. Because I'm just saying, I'm looking at his on-base percentage, and even that's not great. Because he went hitless in his first 10 at-bats. And that's my point. He didn't do his job. I would have taken him out. You would have taken him out, and now you would, and now he would, and now he wouldn't be hitting 247. He would be hitting zeros. And you would have somebody else in that be hitting just that would be as hitting well. <laughs> or better. And you wouldn't have had as much of a struggle. But if it, you were in the other division, it would be you could not have him in there but, that lot. You're but, just lucky that everyone else in the division is seven games under five hundred. And that's the reason that they can do it. They knew who was in their division. They know what they were up against. I'm still saying I don't agree with that strategy of running things. Well, really it works. Works. if it didn't work, I don't call that working. It, it works. You got a veteran player up from a putrid level of a huge hitting to a, a, a serviceable level right now and continues to build on for when you need him in the playoffs. You need Giansanti on this team in order to be successful. They, have they were a, successful they without have him. A better team, a markedly better the team. The only reason they weren't doing what they were doing now then is because their starting pitching was trash. And now the starting pitching is no longer it was, trash. It was also their bullpen, but their bullpen's meh. Yeah, right. their bullpen. Yeah. but their, their starting pitching has been much better. You're right, but also it's because of his leadership and the intangible qualities that he brings. That to he the could game. still do injured or not. That he can't on the field or, or in the dugout. No, in the field is so much different. So much different on the field when you're a when you're a leader on the field. It's so much different. Than yeah. Just a guy in the clubhouse. So the only thing that justifies playing him when he's not batting a hundred. Is the fact that he could be a second baseman, first baseman, third baseman, or outfielder. That is about it. But that is why my point is, you can sub a guy out in the sixth inning and then play him then. You can play him every third day. You can do that. And if you do that, then you have to do that for the whole season. You have to expect him to hit 200 because if you're coming. Well, when you're batting 80, I'm expecting you to bat 200. But there, but obviously they knew who they had, right? They knew they didn't have a guy who was going to bat 200. You can roll your eyes all you want, but they were—you knew they, was gonna, they had a guy who wasn't going to bat two hundred, and they had two forty-seven. Not much better. It's fifty points higher. It's the same tangible difference that you said between two fifty and three hundred. Two hundred to two fifty is a huge tangible difference. difference, but it's a major league difference. When the difference between batting twenty-five—that's like saying, well, batting exactly. That's, that's like saying it's like point. saying batting one thirty is, is that much better than batting eighty. They're both atrocious. They're both unacceptable. And you're saying that two forty-seven is a atrocious batting average after I'm not starting saying off it's, slow. I'm saying that it's still unacceptable. You're saying That's it's my an point. unacceptable batting average. Yes. Are you out of your mind after starting off slow? You're out of your mind! Start off slow or not, it's still not an acceptable batting oh average. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's still not acceptable. At the end of the day, you have to be batting a certain level consistently. And if you're not, you need to come out for someone that can. So you're saying that because a guy struggled early on and now has clearly... Because if he was batting 80, right, you know the batting average he has to get is probably he has had to be hitting, at, it had to be probably over 300 in order for him to get to 247 in the last certain amount of games. 
means because he started off slow. So he's probably been batting 300 in his last couple of games. Or certainly in the stre- in the certain stretches. All season. right, that's fine. Now let's go look at the game like it. Because we're spending a lot of time here on Gene Sanji, but I'm not surrendering this point. Because you're wrong. I'm not wrong on this one. I know I'm because right. Because I don't believe in letting a player play their way out of a slump at yeah, the behest of the team. It's not at the behest of the team. Yes, it is. It is not. He's a he's a good defender, and he's not a he's not a guy who's always going to be an out. Once he works his way out of it, he's one of the best. Once he works team. his way out of it, though, that's a lot of once he does. That takes a lot of time. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. took him two weeks. It took him two weeks. Great. It took and, him fourteen games. And that's why there's seven games over five hundred because James Keith knows what he's doing. Really, the manager for High Point knows how to manage Sugarland's players. Wrong guy, <laughs> Pete and Coglia. Pete and Coglia knows what yeah. he's doing. Yeah, uh, I'm still not buying that. I'm sorry, it's just not. It's not. So what? Are, what are his numbers then? What, what are his numbers? Last seven days, yeah. been three thirty-three. Last twenty-eight days, been two sixty-nine. Oh wow! Last so ninety bad. days, two fifty-eight. Right, because two fifty-eight over the last. Nine Although, days. hold on, let's take a look at these nice road splits. Ooh. Road splits. That yeah. makes a big difference. Yeah, it does, because when he's playing at home, he's not even batting 200. Because he's probably had more road games. <laughs> no, he has not. Only 20 less at-bats. Right, 20 less at-bats, because he's probably played more games early in the season when he was struggling. A bunch of games at home. And he hit 333. He, oh, wait, my mistake. He's played more at home. So if he's he playing more at home... 333 over his last seven games. Give me a break. I'm just saying, he still cannot play at home, and that doesn't do you much good. It doesn't mean that he can't play at home. Whoops, it he, means... He, you're batting... He hit you're not bat, He's not even on base... His on base is below 300. It doesn't matter at this point in the season when you're working a guy up. It matters significantly. The only thing that he does better at home than on the road is batting for power. And that's sl- ever so slightly the case. Ever so slightly by I mean, one home run. I mean, I, I, you maybe you just got to understand how 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 it works when in in game situation in order to do this. How hard it is to get yourself back into playing shape, into baseball shape, which is a lot different than being physically in shape. In, in order to get this done, and, and if you're going to be an everyday player and as a cornerstone player on the team, let's put, for example, right? If if Aaron Judge came back today and he struck out for, and he didn't hit for two weeks. Would the Yankees pull him from the lineup? Absolutely not. Well, that's not. a major league difference. There's a world of difference between Anthony Giansanti and the talent level sure. of Iron Judge. Absolutely. And their importance in the lineup is major difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if you know, but my point is that if you know a player is talented, you don't simply give up on him and bench him because he's going through a rough stretch. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you give up on him and bench him. I'm saying now he. I'm saying remove him down. You let other people that are playing. I am saying we let other players play that have been playing better. Someone had to come out for him to come in. Whoever came out played better than him. That that person played better. Yeah. Well, he can't like. You look at his numbers here, and they just don't look like they deserve to be a starter's numbers. (laughs) He can hit with runners in scoring position, batting below 100. Still batting at 983. I see. He's you know, in May, he put, really, it's his last five. You're looking at it here, so whoop, you do a hot stretch. The previous 21, he's not batting 250. That, that's not true. You said in the previous 21, he was hitting 269. No, I'm looking at it right here. In May, 21 games, batting 254. Five games in June, batting 33. Well, that's, that's a start 
of that that's what the start of batting zero in the two weeks. <laughs> I still don't see that. I don't see him deserving of a starter's role yet. I mean, you're wrong. if someone struggles and is not playing well, then put him in. Keep everyone else on the on the field on a short leash. Fine, work him in gradually. Uh, Do okay. well in those at bats. Do with what it. you're told. It's not how it works. Not I'm just works. saying that's not. not how it works. This is not how baseball works. I'm just not saying if we want to go to major league examples, then out come Keon Broxton. He gets plenty of starting jobs. He bats 100. And then he wants to start more. Why should the Mets leave him in to do that instead of shipping him to Baltimore, where he then gets DFA? Because he has no track record of being a good player. You have to have a track record of being a good player like Giancanti. Santi has one good year. He's had it's, a couple of good years, and he has a track record of being a good hitter. At I'm, this level. At this level, I'll grant you that. But I'm just saying, right now, you want, you want to look at his stats here. They are really nothing that terrific. Because he had one good year. <laughs> Even going back, 2018 was his lone, like, shining star year. The year before, he was be- he was pretty average. 237, 9 home runs, 52 rippies. The year prior year. in Bridgeport, 247, 6 home runs, 35. It's a good year. It's, um, it's a below average year. For a utility guy, it's a great... For a guy who's... For a, a guy that got 90... The Bridgeport year for a guy to play 91 games for the year after a guy that played an additional 30 games, it's a fine. It's fine at best. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't see him as that kind of a guy. I don't see him as above being benched. So tough. You want to play? You had two weeks of games to step up. To say it clearly worked does not mean it clearly worked because I don't see anything that says it clearly worked. I see him hitting well on the road. Zero I, see, I see him taking advantage of a weak schedule. I see him taking advantage of a weak schedule. He got York. He got Southern Maryland. So and even the Patriots so took Southern Maryland back. So does every team in the Atlantic League. So does every other player on the... What does that have to do with it? We're so talking about Giancanti. So you're going to so say that because Giancanti played those specific teams, the numbers don't count because they're only in the I'm league. I'm saying you have to look less upon it. Those no, you are don't. Part, yes, you're you part do. of the team. I'm saying you have they're to look. You league. have to factor in the fact they're playing a weak team in a more friendly ballpark. He's not... Playing well against quality teams. Against Long Island, he's not playing well. He's not playing well okay, against yeah, Somerset. What, what he is not. That? What number support that? The home splits. He's not playing well at home. He's batting under 200 at home. He's batting about 300 on the road. He gets Southern Maryland on the road. Look at the schedule. You think he only played against Southern Maryland on the road? He played against York, too, and he played against Lancaster. Yeah. What did he do? Three teams under 500. The teams that were above 500, he can hit. Because he was starting off. Because he was struggling when he started There's off. There's a recently. They recently played Long Island last week. And he hit 333. <laughs> he did not hit 333 he, against Long Island. Said he said on the road. He, he just, played them at he home. He hit 333, you just said, in the last five games. In the last, yeah, in the last five in, in June, when he did not play a real team. All right, we'll move on. I'm just saying, I don't think he's we'll that great. We'll move on. I'm moving on <laughs> because we're about 43 minutes in. Now it's off the rails because we're at the deadlock here. Because I don't think he's worth, yeah, I think he should have been benched. You, you're wrong. So, I mean, I just say, oh, yeah, the guy batting under 250, he deserves a roster spot. Oh, yeah. He, he does deserve, deserve a roster spot. He deserves no to be a starter. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Definitely. Can't disagree how many there. guys? How many guys are going to hit over 250? Most of the guys on the roster. Oh, yes. It, 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 how many guys are going to hit over 250 after struggling like that? <sighs> my point, yeah, because you're not seeing my point. 
He was struggling. Now he's good. That's not the point. He was struggling. He should have came out. No, because he. W- my argument is that if he if you took him out when he was struggling, he would not be up to where he is now. He would have continued to struggle because baseball is all about timing and rhythm. It isn't about you know oh let's bench then, him because he's not playing good. It's about getting his timing. Then out. let him play three innings a day. And if he plays three innings a day, you're and if he his goes rhythm. well, then. Let him play the but full you don't way. The game. Oh my god! What I understand is there are other players that are better than him that were taken out of the lineup, so that way he could go over four every day for two weeks. And then, as a fruit of that labor, he has helped lead. Well, if you life. let me bet for fifty days, I could get to a hundred. Okay, great. The point is. You don't waste time on a player that's not playing well. If he was going one for four, fine. You don't waste time on a player that's not playing well when they have a proven track record of playing well. He doesn't have a track record. He has one good season. We just went through that. Of playing well. I'm not saying of batting That's not a track record. I'm saying of playing well. That's not a track record. Of playing well. He does... Ah! You're wrong. <laughs> he doesn't have a track record. He the numbers don't say he has a track oh, record. Well, I'm not saying he's batting 350. That's right. why he's in the lineup to hit the ball, to, to field well. the ball. You to can find well. other guys like that. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you well, can. They? they just did. They just signed a guy. So why don't they DFA him right now? If he is so like, if they, he should be because, benched. like you why said, the past bench? five days he's playing hot. I don't know why he didn't bench why him. Didn't I would have benched him. Why didn't they bench him? That's a great question. Ask Pete and Cornelia. Ask him, because I would have benched his after the first 10. After he would have went over with only one on base that you only got because of a walk, <laughs> I would have said, okay, he ain't playing. And then you would have continued to lose games. They weren't losing games. Mm-hmm. There you go. This is almost as stupid as being being for the DH. It's almost <laughs> as stupid as that. Which is also a very good argument, but you know, I'm just saying. We spent too much time on a player that doesn't deserve that much time. <laughs> We're moving on. Anything else in the Atlantic League before yeah. we move on from there? Because I think we've just run everything. Yeah. Uh, high points kind of rebound. I just want to mention that they came back this week to play well, and they won about four or five games this week. So yeah. they're gone back after a rough last week. Mm-hmm. That's about it. New Britain pulled off. Somerset's struggling, but they're going to break out of it. There's not much there. Edwin Espinal, thank God for him. Otherwise, they wouldn't be batting at all. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, and I'm still not sure what Jimmy Paredes' issue with his visa is because it's been like since he's been signed about three months. At this point, I just treat him the same way the Mets are treating Jed Lowry. I expect for him not to play. Right. I mean, that's if he comes back, great. If not, whatever. Yeah. So, whatever with him. Uh, Long Island still leading the way. By being dead even, everyone else is tripping over themselves. Uh, I'm sure they'll come back, though, and have a solid week. On this side, Sugarland's running away with it, regardless of whatever decisions they make, <laughs> because everyone else is getting in their own way by yeah. being seven games under 500. Well, that's, yeah, that's an undoubted uh, point there. Really, yeah. I mean, you know, the Sugar Lowry or whatever, whatever. But exactly. it, no matter what Sugarland does, they, they're fine, they're because fine. They're, they're only about, like, Five to seven games, about five hundred. They could, honestly, they'll still win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, the thing is, 
I care a lot more about their decisions on the field. Right. If they were in the other division, sure. Where everyone's above five hundred. Yeah, I think that would make a lot more decision. And I think at that point, you have to at least concede to me that ten games of not getting a hit in a division where you are where there's five games to bring last place from first place, and everybody else is a one game in between. That's too much of a. It would have been more of a decision, no doubt. It would have been a harder decision uh, for the manager to make, no doubt. But I, I still think. We don't need to go into that. But yeah, I still think it's it's something that you're right. Undoubtedly, in, in, because of the division that they're in, it gives them on all personnel issues uh, a lot of more. It gives you leniency. Yeah. Yep. Any case, that's enough for the Atlantic League <laughs> for a week. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, while we're still there, I just want to mention, yeah, I didn't put out power rankings last week. I'm going to be honest, I just got lazy and there wasn't that much motion in them. Uh, New Britain went up. High Point went down. South Sugarland went up, and Long Island went up, and Somerset went down. That's about basically it. Yeah. Southern Maryland was still last. York was right above them. Lancaster there. Those three are going to be your solid bottom three for basically the whole year yep. until someone decides they want to play like 500 baseball. Yeah. Which you know, good luck. Exactly. <laughs> you know, when it's basically Zach Shank and Turtislavic doing all the yeah. work for you in Lancaster. And who's the one other guy? Which just isn't good when I'm like, oh, wait, there's another guy. He bends pretty good too, but I don't know his name, but I know he's playing decent. Right. I mean, that's, that's not good. That's because if you look at it, there's not a lot of guys playing that decent. Exactly. So, I mean, like, congrats, Lancaster. You got that going for you. You might, you might, you, you might make the playoffs and lose in the first round. You know, actually, it's like the year that, uh, Seattle made the playoffs at seven and nine. Yeah. Seven and nine is not a playoff record. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Not, that's not worthy, but hey, you know, who knows? Maybe you, maybe you steal something. Maybe we'll get a game. Or maybe Gian Santi will forget how to hit again <laughs> and go back to batting oh for 14 games in a row. At which point he should be DFA. <laughs> I'm just saying. He goes oh for, oh for, he was like oh for 30. It was something like that. Yeah. yeah. Pretty bad. You go oh for 30 starting the last week of the season into the playoffs. Oh, forget it. Forget it. At that point, screw playing any of your oh, way out of it any time. It's now too critical. Much You're different situation. Hotter players playing the playoffs. Simple as that. hundred percent. Much different situation. That I completely agree on. Any case, we spent nearly an hour on Atlantic League talk alone. Let's go ahead. Let's get Can Am in there. Get the Can Am in Frontier there. and American. Like I said, Eastern bias. You're not getting talked about today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll certainly touch upon those things. I might write an article or two about some of those yeah. leagues and some things that are going on. But for now, let's keep it keep it to the East Coast. Exactly. I mean, uh, Gene and Santi got about 20 minutes. Yeah, well, well, we might have to cut some of that. Oh, I'm not cutting any of that. Oh, We're just cleaning it up. Oh, boy. Got to get that uh, Mike and the Mad Dog thing going. Right. Boost those numbers. <laughs> I, I got high blood pressure enough. Good <laughs> guy. All right, Atlantic League. Uh, Sussex has struggled a little bit, and the board has gotten hot. Yep. Uh, I got to give credit to you on this one. Yeah. You called it. You called yeah. it last week. You said... Sussex is going to regress. I said, no, 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 no. Uh, you were right. I mean, Sussex, they, they regressed a little bit, and this is the way it is. It's just 10-2. It's very hard to sustain. No doubt. It's just an unsustainable number there, and that's the only reason why. But the Baldies have been surprising me. They have been. After a very rough start, I have, like, four bad games. But <laughs> 4% of their season was really rough there, but they now rebounded. They're now in second place. Well, even when we went up to see them, there's one they thing. They played good. They played good. And there's one thing that was apparent. 
They can hit the baseball. Yep. That right. is something they can do, no doubt. Actually, we'll be seeing Rockland tonight in New Jersey. Who yeah. knows? Maybe we got another branch brawl. Yeah, maybe. Yep. Thir- yeah, 13 or 5 for the Miners. They're, they're still commanding front there in the past three expect They just have too much of a lead there. But yeah. the series against New Jersey is a big one. Uh, New Jersey plays well and wins it. They're in second place. Uh, 10 and 9 to 11 and 7 with Rockland. So this is a, a big game, big three game stretch. Right, no doubt. A very big three game stretch for them. I, and uh, I think that for the Jackals, it's also interesting as well to see, like we, we said last week, that we think they're going to be mid-lane, and I agree with that. I, I don't know if the Jackals are going to be really going to be pushing for that top echelon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they might have been last week. I was thinking about it. Maybe they could be, but I really think that after seeing them, they're they're more of a, a mid-level uh, yeah. team. Yeah. No, and plus, they lost five in a row. I didn't even notice that yeah. until just now looking here. Uh, yeah, they were 10-4, and four, which... Very good start, but yeah. you can't lose five in a row. So they got to look to shake that tonight. And I believe on Monday we start our other teams coming into play right. stretch there because uh, it is Empire League Day. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Sussex County. In Sussex County, yeah, that's on Monday. I may head up to that. Uh, but still, the more important story here outside of the Jackal struggling, which is just a matter of a bit of rough luck, four and six in the last bit, the bigger struggle here is uh, with Quebec. They Ooh, yeah. still struggled. They finally got a win last night, but four and thirteen they were before that win, so now five and thirteen. Uh, three games back of the team in front of them, they are firmly in last and making me look very wrong for predicting them to be first. Uh, I mean, but who could blame you? Exactly. Blame you? They had the roster. I mean, like, they had the roster, and think about Quebec as an organization. That is an organization that... They're a team the, that wins. Right, from the history of the Can-Am They're a winning league, team. They're the most winning team in the history of the Can-Am League, and, you know, even the other leagues. Exactly. So, I think that it was a fair prediction. But, you know, it, well, even still, but, I mean, it's still early, don't get me wrong, I mean. But you you got to start doing something that you're about a quarter of a quarter of a season. Well, that, that sprung up on you. Yeah. Real quick. But, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but, I mean, you just look at everything here, and it's like, okay... Some guys are batting. Uh, Lytle, he's batting 345, so that's pretty good. Oh, that's really good. Man. Yeah. Uh, count you 17, though, I'll count you. Uh, a couple of outfields here. Williams is an infielder, 386. Another guy at 386. Uh, then from there, we go to 255, 250, 234. Uh, then you have regular starters that are batting 207, 204. Yeah, that's not good enough. No. And then you have uh, two other catchers that I assume are getting there as DHs or as actual catchers. Uh, they have each split eight games, and they are each batting below 200, 192, and the other one at 154. And I'm sorry, that is not acceptable. Yeah, that's not acceptable. And that's what you're, that's what you're talking about, this. Yeah. Uh, you know, something that is not going to work if they keep keeping <laughs> that face. Exactly. You just can't keep up with that. Uh, Pitching-wise, there's been some bright spots the Davies has played very well. Five games for him, six innings so far. Uh, ERA below 1.5. Uh, Mulkin, he's still doing what he does, below two. Uh, Carlos Jelenay's come down. Marsh's come down. They're both below four, but everyone else is Arcun's. Below four? Yeah, he's also below four, 385. Um, everyone else is above three point, or four point, uh, Free. Yeah, that is not scoring, not hitting, and not not pitching and giving up a lot of runs is not not a good way to win games. <laughs> yeah, now the bigger problem here is you have starters that are almost at six, and then guys that are above six that are taking meaningful innings, like nineteen innings. One guy got seven point five. Uh, another guy nine innings, so he's a reliever, but 
ERA of 9. Uh, Lachlan mm. Fontaine was a guy I wanted to watch because he can book that and he's kind of like a dual player. Right. Uh, he got one at bat, didn't get on base, and in three outings, no starts, uh, four, no 12 innings for him, 17 hits, 14 earned runs. 10.5. Oh. So nothing going their way. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing going their way. Nothing going that way. Uh, even you want to look at the last seven for them, nobody, like, the problem is here, half their lineup's doing good. Half of them are batting about three, and then you have another at 286. So that first five is acceptable. You right. can definitely work with that, and how the one guy's batting almost uh, 450. Wow. So that's that's doing his job, very much so. But then after you get past uh, 286, it just, like, dies almost instantly at 235, 235, 105, 0. Yeah, I mean, and that that's what you can't have. You can't have, exactly. you know, for a long period of time, exactly. multiple guys yeah. really struggle out. Exactly. Like that. And especially if you're pitching like that. Like, referencing back to Gian Sancho, because I think that's actually a nice benchmark for this. It is, yeah. You can get away with that, and you can argue, okay, well, it's fine. You can let him play his way for back one in. one guy, yeah. Yeah, when it's one guy and everybody else is doing the job. Now, granted, Sugarland was... And a 50-50 bang. We got Courtney Hawkins there for like three games was doing his job. Right. Uh, McElroy was doing pretty good for his limited stint there. And then uh, Silvario has been raking the whole year. Right. Uh, probably their best hitters at this point. And no, then you no. have other guys that were chipping in, so you can kind of overcome it, especially if you have a weaker break in the schedule. You're allowed to, I guess, burn games against guys that you don't expect to be contending, although I wouldn't do it. But in right. any case... When you have multiple guys like that in the lineup, yeah. and early on... You can't afford to do that, especially when you have the Jackals that were at ten and four. You had Rockland that's now at eleven and seven, but they went on a hot turn to eight yeah. and two in their last ten, and then you have Celtics that's running away with it. That means there's one spot left. Now, granted, Trey Voss only finally started to climb back out of their hole and Ottawa is whatever Ottawa is. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna stay like the middling team that they are right now or whatever. Yeah. But even still, if, if even those two remain middling, that means you're way behind. You need to jump ahead yeah. real quick. As much because with Quebec, you don't want to be one of the last two. You yeah. want home field. Quebec home field is one of the few where I'm like, okay, this actually makes a difference. Right. Because especially now, and especially in games where they don't really draw more than like, you know, 2,500, it's very hard to say, oh, well, home field makes a big difference. Because right. in the ballpark seats 4,000, if it's only half filled, how big of a difference is it really? Yeah. But Quebec actually draws a lot of people out. They it's do. a big difference maker for them. Yeah. Plus, especially in the postseason. Exactly that. And when you have three teams from like our area, like the tri-state, like Northern New Jersey, that's a long Rock, ride. What, exactly. It's and it's know, a bus even. Right? It, yeah, it's a bus. It's all jump bus all the time. So if you're able to go ahead and make them bus up to you, it helps yeah. you out a little bit. Uh, Certainly, some home field advantage in that, no doubt. Exactly. So, I mean, that that's a struggle for them, and they're going to need to do something about it. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a situation where I'm not sure you go. Let's wait and see on it because you're running out of wait and see time a fifth of the way down. Last week was wait and see. This week it's uh, push the panic button and figure exactly. something out. Fast. Three <laughs> three and seven in your last ten is not good enough. Mm-hmm. When especially when you look and go, oh, you were two and six. Oh, that's great. Uh, but that, that's rough. That's that's a bad start. Exactly. I mean, still they're only eight back, which is doable. Exactly. It's certainly manageable. Plus, you have the international teams that are coming in, which normally is easy points, but everyone gets easy points. So, 
you just got to hope that maybe that's the spark and it gets you going. Or maybe you get lucky and somebody from a higher league gets released and you're able to bring them in. Yeah. Or maybe you find a free agent or something. Maybe MLB draft some. Maybe a couple of those undrafted guys, they go into the indie ball system, they rake, they give you two or three weeks of solid baseball before they get picked up, and that's something. Maybe. Something. That you yeah. need something. Yeah, you're you need something. right. They need a spark. They need something to ignite them. I don't really see something uh, like exactly. that right now. Exactly. There's just nothing there at the moment, and that, that's going to be a major problem for them going forward. But. No doubt. And that's the way that goes. That's about all I see for the Can-Am League. Uh, Sussex pulled off back to normal for them. They're still in first. Rockland's hot. They look to continue that tonight against the Jackals, which by the time you listen to this, you'll know the result of that. Uh, Jackals look to break a five-game losing streak and kind of get back into fighting mode now and try to secure home field and get back to the postseason for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, no, those three teams, I think, are doing a great job of trying to lock up that spot just to kind of conclude Canada here because everyone else is pretty middling. Right, yeah, no doubt. I think those three teams are the ones you're going you're gonna to watch for. They're yeah. the ones you're going to watch for. And they're gonna, it'll be fun, especially with Rockland and Sussex County, to see who takes in the end. Exactly. I think it's going to be one of those plays there where those three are in. It's going to make everything a lot more interesting, especially because the bus ride from... Little Falls to, uh, let's see, was that Lafayette to then Pomona is really not that bad. It's nope. like an hour from each. Yeah. So you're able to even, you don't even need to stay in the hotel. You can make the trip every day and be fine. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. And it'd be great for us too, because we'd have an extended window of baseball where we could see all the games. Yeah, we'd we'll be to. right in the thick of it. Exactly. So we'll wait and see on how that shakes out. On Hopefully we get some good baseball over the next week. Uh, Frontier League and American, I'm ignoring you right now. I'm <laughs> going to continue to ignore the Pacific Association, and I don't acknowledge the Pecos League as anything because I don't believe that players should have to pay a league to play in said league. I don't think that's right. Right. That one's more of a forcible boycott. Exactly. That's a willful, a willful uh, non-acknowledgement, I suppose. So. Right. Uh, with that being said here, anything else to add before we plug and leave? No, uh... With that said, uh, you can find us on social media, on Twitter, at IndieBallPod, Instagram, at IndieBallReport. You can find our website, where we got a bunch of articles and the whole jazz, and basically everything that's us, you can find there. Uh, that is www.IndieBallReport.com. To the YouTube channel, IndieBallReport, on YouTube, just type it in, you'll find it, subscribe, you know, yada yada. Then you can find the podcast on TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Podomatic. And you've all report all of them. Please like, rate, review, however you feel fit. The more interaction we get, the higher we go up in search results, the more people we get, which means the more chance we have to actually do a bunch of fun things. So we'd appreciate that. And with that being said, and with nothing else to add, until next time, don't forget to play all.